You're listening to The Thrive Podcast with your host, Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. Listen in as Kathleen shares all the things about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. She'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to help grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Are you guys ready for a laugh or five? Well, probably six. Because I wanted to dedicate a whole episode to talking about my hiring gone bad or hiring blunders and give you a little peek behind the scenes, share some lessons, and most importantly, tell you how not to do things if you are looking to enlist help. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, Kathleen, there's no way I'm going to be enlisting help. But here's the thing. You are enlisting help in so many different areas of your business, and in many cases, we just don't realize that's what we're doing. Even if you think you're just getting your mom to help you with wiring or peeling roses or whatever, you are still enlisting help. You might have somebody helping you with your website. You might be thinking about hiring somebody to help you with social media. This isn't just applicable to those of you who want to or already have a team. This is not just applicable to those of you who regularly work with freelancers. This is going to be helpful if you work with another human in any capacity. Inside of our private community, we are hosting a live hiring masterclass and Q&A. And I wanted to give you guys like the real in and out in terms of how to enlist help, how to go about pulling in freelancers, how to expand your team, or even if you think all you're going to do is bring somebody on and kind of outsource one particular area of your business. For those of you who are part of the bootcamp and for those of you who are inside of our private community, Remember to jump into the events tab and come join us live for this training. You get to bring all of your questions. I am going to be hanging around to make sure everybody feels like they get to walk away with clarity in terms of the next steps and really understanding how to grow their team and expand their capacity beyond themselves. In addition to that, for those of you who are inside of the private community and you know where the study vault is, we're going to be pulling together a hiring and freelancing resource that is going to blow your brain open. We're going to be compiling all of our templates, job descriptions, the exact application process that we use, pay rates, it's all going to be in there. So that new course, that hiring and freelancing masterclass is going to be live inside of the private community in November of 2021. So be sure to watch this space. And for those of you listening who are not part of the program, just get inside of the program because it's amazing. And it's so fun to be able to share so much of our literally kind of created out of nothing. Hey, here's a job description. Hey, here's our exact application process. Hey, here's how we go about kind of, you know, making it way easier on ourselves to grow our team. And here's how we think about expanding our capacity. It's all coming for you inside of the program. It's going to be so good. And on today's episode, I want to dive into the six biggest mistakes I made 
the six biggest blunders I made when it came to growing our team and really expanding my capacity. And I look at the team that we are building right now and yeah, it's messy. Yeah, it's a work in progress, but I'm so in love with the process that we are creating and the community that we are creating, even though at this moment in time, none of us hang out with each other in person, ever. <laughs> I think back to the team that we had when we were doing all of the weddings, you know, you know when weddings used to happen? Yeah, that was fun. Anyway, when we were doing like five, six, seven, eight weddings in a weekend, and then I look at the team that we created and the processes that we created to get through Valentine's Day and Mother's Day, and I do know now there were so many things that we just kind of made up that were exactly the right things to do, right? I was like, okay, if I was one of my staff members, what would I want in this position? You know, Kathleen can always be improving her leadership and her team management and her communication, of course. However, there are so many things that we just did right. But the reason we figured out how to make it work is because we tried things that didn't work. <laughs> Literally, I am here to tell you how to not do things. And my goal with this episode is to share these experiences with you so that you know what not to do. And if any of this resonates with you, I want you to know that you're definitely not alone because most of us, did not think about the idea of becoming CEOs and flower bosses and part of that in any capacity means leading a team. And even if you're just telling yourself right now, well, it's just me, I want to plant the seed with you as soon as possible to think about approaching your business from a slightly different perspective. For so many of us, you know, we don't necessarily have these dreams of wanting to have these like epic teams and wanting to be managing these teams and we don't necessarily want to have like 20 or 30 freelancers and we don't necessarily want to be doing like the 100, 200, 300k weddings. But even if you're the type of business owner that's like, I want to do this job part-time, I want to do it in a limited capacity, I want to invite you to start to think about how you manage your business in a slightly different way. And I want you to know that building a team can actually be so much fun and it's such an incredible growth opportunity and learning opportunity. And I am in love with the idea of being able to be one of those high impact bosses, right? Because we've all had those jobs where our bosses were complete dickheads, right? We all had those jobs and I remember vividly the job I had where it literally felt like Oh my God, did you guys write The Devil Wears Prada just in relation to this experience that was my life? <laughs> Literally had a boss who was Miranda Priestley. It was interesting. One day I'm sure we'll dig into it way more. But so many of us kind of come to the table of like, well, I definitely don't want to be that kind of leader to my team. And then we just kind of hesitate to hire anybody or to enlist freelancers in any capacity. And then we just end up on like the hamster reel. And I think for us as floral designers, it's so easy to jump onto Instagram and think, oh, wow, look, like those guys have an epic team. They work so well together. They never fight. They never disagree. The communication is perfect. They just look so happy. Everything runs like clockwork. And then you step back into your reality and you're like, well, clearly there's something wrong with me because my business, my reality doesn't look anything like that person's 
over there. Like they actually look like they're having fun. (laughs) Me? No, I don't think I am necessarily having fun. And I wanted to take you in behind the scenes and give you a little bit of a taste of some of the mistakes that I made in my business and how we just continue to build on these mistakes. We continue to build on learning from them, reflecting on them, and just deciding and remembering that we can always be making progress. Because nobody came out of the womb knowing how to be a team leader. Nobody was born knowing how to communicate with humans who all have different preferences. Nobody was gifted the ability to be able to read your staff's mind. And it's so important that we know that it's simply building the skill set. Being a manager, being a team leader, being a powerful flower business owner, being a flower boss takes practice. And all that is required is for us to build a very specific set of skills to be told what those skills are, to be given the tools to be able to learn those skills, and then to continue to take action and practice and build on our own personal experience. So here are six lessons that I think every floral designer needs to know if you have any ambition to bring on another pair of hands in any capacity. You might be at the point where you're kind of thinking about restructuring your team as you grow your business, or you might be at the point where you're like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of doing every single thing myself. So maybe it's something like having somebody help you organize and prep product or having somebody do deliveries for you or having somebody even taking over the bookkeeping. Like wherever you are in your business, I promise you, these are going to be really, really helpful. So let's just jump into it. Lesson number one, Kathleen not having her pricing sorted. A couple of weeks ago, I recorded that podcast episode where we all got to have a laugh at my $45 table arrangements. (laughs) Go back and listen to that one because I guarantee you it's like comedic relief for floral designers. But the other thing I'm also going to remind you of is my attempt to sell $450 wedding packages. There were times where I could not even muster up the courage to tell the customer that there was a delivery fee. Anytime we don't have our pricing sorted, it means that we're never going to have the cash flow to even think about enlisting help. So then we stay stuck in the pattern of working until 2 a.m. and waking up the next day to then deliver everything and look like we're in love with our job and show up on Instagram and keep doing all the things. And you're never making enough money and there's no light at the end of the tunnel, right? It turns into this totally relentless, oh my God, I'm barely... If we're lucky, covering my bills, I'm definitely not even paying myself. Kathleen, how could I even think about hiring somebody for an hour a week? I don't have enough money. It's that exact experience that leads so many floral designers into the whole experience of just complete physical exhaustion and building that resentfulness that we often find towards the flowers. And I remember one weekend where I had signed up for one of the fancy design workshops and I was still trying to do so many things on my own. So on that Friday night, I literally did all of the work for a full Saturday wedding. I'd worked in the shop all day. I then came home to our little home garage studio, did all the designs for the wedding. Sloan delivered everything for the wedding while I drove up to Sydney to go to one of these workshops. And I had to stay up until two o'clock at night to just get the work done. The thought had never even crossed my mind that you could actually hire somebody to do that work for you to meet your expectations. 
And one of the reasons that so many florists reach burnout is because we don't have our pricing sorted. There's no way that Kathleen could have hired a designer to help do any of that work for the wedding if the table arrangements are only being priced out at $45 and you're spending probably a third of that on your product. Like you're never going to have the cash flow to hire a freelancer or a casual staff member or anybody, right? But once you can get your pricing sorted and make sure that you are also quoting for delivery setup and pack down as separate line items on your event quotes, all of a sudden you'll realize you have access to the cash to be able to bring in help in any capacity that you want. So as a sense check, if you look at your quotes and you look at your prices that you are offering up to your customers, technically speaking, you should be able to hire somebody else to do the design work for you and there should still be profit left at the end of the equation. So in a very functional sense, you should be able to look at what needs to be delivered, actually hire somebody to make all of that happen, and after you pay them, after you pay your bills, after you allocate your portion for taxes, after you allocate your portion for operations, and you've paid the growers, there's still money left over. I know that that sounds insane, but I promise you, getting your pricing sorted is the foundation for the growth of your business because you trying to do everything by yourself is part of the problem. And the reason that we tell ourselves, I don't have enough money to hire anybody is most likely because we're either way overspending on our expenses or we haven't even gotten our pricing sorted to begin with. So that's what I love about the industry standard pricing model is it doesn't care if you have a shop front or you work from home, it doesn't care if this is your first year of business or year 21. You get to use the same math and then you get to manage your costs and you can hire people to fill in the gaps for you, which means you don't have to be working until two o'clock in the morning. So lesson number one for everybody, get your pricing sorted today. Now, lesson number two, Kathleen, and I'm very well practiced at this belief, I have to do everything on my own. <laughs> I literally did not hire my first freelancer for a wedding for three and a half years. Three and a half years. I told myself I was the one who had to do all of the work for the weddings because I thought I was supposed to be able to do it all myself. Right? When you're an overachiever and you keep overachieving and you kind of step into this world, you kind of keep thinking, well, I need to be able to show everybody that I'm capable. Right? And when you're like me and you're chasing after legitimacy, it's like, well, I need to show everybody that I'm legitimate and that requires me to actually touch everything. I thought that being a business owner meant that I needed to have every single thing sorted. I need to look totally professional, have the prettiest home-based studio or the prettiest shop. I need to know exactly what's going on. I needed to be the best designer and I needed to know all of the things and know all the information before I could then even bring in a pair of hands to help me. It took me a while to learn this one, but I am so grateful that I finally realized by the time I had reached the burnout physical exhaustion phase, I had to go through that first before the light bulb went off in my head to go, huh, hey, did you know that you can hire team members who are actually better designers than you and it's going to lift the game of your whole business? And the first time I did this, I was so glad that I did because 
She's a beautiful designer and it's almost like she has this natural gift for it. And this is such a funny story because you know how we all think that there's this like mean girls persona within our industry? Well, I actually had that experience in real life. So this designer that we hired um, pretty kind of a couple years into us owning the shop and she had quit her previous job and then she had said, okay, I'm finally ready to come join you guys. And we had been talking kind of on and off for a few weeks, but this idea that she had already quit her job and then she was going to come start to work with us and her previous boss got wind of the fact that she was going to come work with us. So her previous boss literally got in the car with her two girl posse crowd walked into our shop and like physically confronted me. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, literally, like Tina Fey, I've just stepped onto the set of Mean Girls and it literally looked like one of those posters from the movie, right? This florist was standing at the front and then her posse of two people was standing behind her trying to threaten me and intimidate me for even thinking about hiring this designer. <laughs> like, it was a Friday afternoon at I think like 4.30 and I was in the shop with two of my girls. We were cleaning up, packing the cool room and she just came like barging in looking for me, wanting to basically bully me into not hiring this designer. And it was so absurd if I think back at it. Of course, at the time I was like, oh my gosh, is this actually happening? I am so grateful that I have my staff here to witness this because this is dumb. <laughs> is this what this industry is about? Because this is insane, right? If this is how these people want to run their businesses, wow. I'm just going to be over here loving my customers, trying to figure out how the heck this whole thing works. Maybe one day I'll learn when Amaranthus is in season, but I am not playing that crazy high school mean girls game. No thank you, my friends. So after that experience, I remember like just being so shell-shocked that it had happened. I was like, how is it that a florist has just cared that much about who I'm hiring in my business? And this poor designer, like she was just such a lovely human and like so just carried the burden of that experience and was like, well, clearly it's good that you quit your previous job because who wants to work with that kind of boss? Like, wow, what was that work environment like? But anyway, knowing that you can actually hire these designers and like the lesson learned from the whole mean girl experience is, well, A, that's not how Kathleen wants to run her business. So thank you for the example. But B, I was like, oh, wow, hiring this girl, like she must be actually really good at her job if her previous boss feels that threatened by the fact that she's now coming to work with me. And actually hiring her elevated our entire team's design ability. Right, And that's what's so amazing is like, you don't even need to go to a workshop to learn more design skills. You can just hire really good designers and then you can learn either by osmosis or they can teach you or you can just have conversations with them while they're designing to get them to kind of narrate what's going on in their head and how they created what they created. Amazing, my friends. But the moral of the story here is instead of thinking you need to do everything on your own, you can actually hire people who are better at certain aspects of the work, right? If you want to become a better designer, then go out there and hire a great designer. If you want to become better at systems and processes, go out there and hire people who are good at systems and processes. 
If you want to hire people who are really good and fill the gap on customer service, it's going to help you elevate your game with customer service. And it's really fascinating. Once you start to flip your perspective and once you let go of your own narrative and your own internal dialogue, I think I have to do everything by myself. And all of a sudden you're like, no, I could actually hire somebody that might even be on a super semi-permanent part-time basis, right? A couple of hours that you get to actually absorb training from them and you get the benefit of them actually helping you out in your business. So lesson number two, Mistake number two, my friends, is thinking that you have to do it all on your own. Building off of mistake number two is mistake number three, is staying stuck in your business rather than knowing that you need to take time and you need to shift your energy to showing up as a CEO, that you need to take time and you need to show up as a flower boss. And this happens so often when we get to the point of like, desperation for help, right? We're so far into the deep end and we feel like we're completely drowning. And then you just end up kind of like, you know, the whole duck underwater metaphor where it's like, I might look calm and pleasant and totally in control on top of the surface, but underneath I'm like a total hot mess. So then you get to the point where you kind of just hire anybody with a pulse, Right. And all of a sudden, then you're making these hiring mistakes where you're not even asking them to, you know, share a little bit about who they are as a human, what their values are, what's important to them. And you're kind of hiring people who are completely out of alignment with your business. That happens, right? particularly when we're leading up to crazy times like spring or autumn wedding season. If you have a huge number of workshops going on or if you have, you know, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, everybody has those kind of like peak hectic crazy seasons. Even in the lead up to those seasons, right? We kind of put our head down and it's like, well, if I close my eyes, then maybe Valentine's Day won't happen next year. (laughs) Right? It's like, I'm just going to pretend like this isn't happening. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, you get kind of caught up in the tsunami of the experience and it's like then you're like well crap either I need to keep working until 3 a.m or I'm just going to hire whoever I can get in right how many warm bodies can I get in here and then you just like don't enjoy the work environment you don't love the work that's being put out into the world things are not meeting your expectations and you're like I don't even know if I want to give these people feedback because I just cannot be bothered right? That happens when we don't have our CEO hat on, when we're not thinking and really understanding that it's our responsibility to kind of set our sights a little bit longer, right? To know, okay, right. So in Australia in particular, you're going to go through a pretty hectic spring wedding season. Then you're going to go straight into Christmas. You're going to feel like you barely get a break. And then you've got Valentine's Day off the back of it. Thank goodness, Shop sales tend to be pretty quiet in the January season, but then you go straight into March, April, May wedding season, then you've got Mother's Day, and you're like, oh my gosh. So this is one of those times where, for us, things really started to shift once we started to do those reflections after each busy season, right? So we got to the point where you can reflect after Valentine's Day, three things that went well, three things we would do differently, And building the discipline to actually document, okay, this is who we had staff. This is how many hours estimated everybody worked. This is what I would do differently next time. 
And asking that one question as close as you can to the back of your last busy season is so helpful. Because there's going to be things like Valentine's Day happens on a different day every year, so there's always nuances to think through. Mother's Day always happens on a Sunday, so really knowing like maybe the next time you hire somebody, you make it part of the requirement to say you have to be available this day, this day, and this day. Even if that feels way too far in advance, just having the understanding that that's an expectation in this business is so helpful for everybody. For me, it's like I can tell when I am in my employee caught up in the hustle bustle of the doing, when I'm just like, I've got to get these things done on my to-do list, and what about this, and what about this, and it's very tactical, and it's very actionable, and it's very just like cross things off, versus even if you're out in the car, and you're going to get groceries, or you're going and taking the dog for a walk, or you're driving to the market, right? Even just asking yourself, okay, what's happening in four weeks? What's happening in eight weeks? Is there one thing I could do right now from a staffing perspective that's going to help me in the future, right? And this is particularly true when we're thinking about going into those hectic seasons. Hiding away and hoping that it's not going to happen is really unhelpful. And I'll tell you from personal experience, it doesn't ever seem to work, (laughs) So call yourself out on it, right? Call yourself out on the fact when you're spending too much time in your business and you're not taking any time thinking on your business. Now, mistake number four was not being clear about my expectations, right? So many of us avoid hiring people because we have this kind of default belief of they're not going to be as good as I am at X, Y, Z, or they're not going to meet my expectations, Here's the best piece of advice I ever received. It's way easier for people to read your mind if you write it down. Correct. That is literally what she said. It is way easier for people to read your mind if you actually write it down. I know, that sounds insane. Yeah? Totally. But literally, what are your expectations for wrapping? What are your expectations for product processing? What are your expectations for customer service? Write the script, write the templates, write your expectations down. And I know it feels tedious, but it is so incredibly helpful. It's helpful for you because it makes communication way easier, but it's just as helpful for your staff. For your staff to know what's going on in your head, because most of our staff wants to do a really good job right? They really want to meet your expectations. When we hire right and we find the right people, then we write down our expectations and we communicate our expectations and they're like, holy crap, this is awesome. Because now they know what your expectations are. So when you're not clear on your expectations and you feel resentful towards your staff, take it upon yourself to do something about it. If your staff aren't meeting your expectations, just ask yourself, what does a good job look like? It would be so helpful for everybody to know, for you to know and for your staff to know, right? This is your first time working with a freelancer. Just take the time to document your expectations and then communicate your expectations, right? Because your freelancers actually want to know, what should I wear? What time should I show up? Are you giving us food? Do I need to bring my own? Who's paying for petrol? How long is the day going to go? What's the run sheet going to look like? What's everybody's job? How many people are going to be here? 
just thinking this through and actually documenting your expectations is so helpful for yourself because it gets it out of your head and onto paper, and it's so helpful for your staff. So blunder number four was not being clear on my own expectations. Blunder number five, following the industry's traditional approach to hiring. How many of you can put your hand up being like, I tried to go out and get a job, but they always ask for three years of experience. (laughs) Well, you should have applied to work with me because I very quickly learned that that was garbage. And what is so interesting, right? When you are a creative director and the business owner, sometimes having people with too many years of design skills is a hindrance because they're going to be so well-practiced at their approach. If it doesn't align to the vibe you want to put out into the world, to your aesthetic, if they don't know how to use the ingredients that you feature in your designs, it's going to be an uphill battle. So once we dropped that expectation, I even dropped the expectation of formal certification, formal training. It's like, oh no, my friends, we are going to hire for fit first. I want to make sure you're in line with where this crazy cruise ship is headed. And then I know I can teach you how to become a great designer. I can teach you anything you need to know in terms of flower care, in terms of process, in terms of design mechanics. Yes, I will train you. Yes, I will give you flowers to take home and practice. I will run my own mini certification program with my staff if I need to. Because what's so important is that the fact that you align with my vision of where I'm going to take this crazy business of mine. And I look now at what those girls are doing and how they're running the machine and the fact that so many of those staff members are still working with each other and it makes my heart so happy. (laughs) It makes my heart so happy to know that you can drop all of the industry's traditional narratives, traditional supposed to's in terms of hiring. Some of my best hires have been because we got very clear on what the problems were that needed to be solved, and we found a person who fit with our values, right? Nobody ever would have thought that a beautiful human being who, through her own career, managed preschools and worked in retail would actually make a phenomenal flower shop owner, like top-of-the-pack flower shop owner, Because everybody else in the industry would have completely dismissed her skill set and been like, oh, well, she hasn't been a designer before. And I was like, no, but she knows how to deal with kids. She knows how to deal with parents. She's worked in a pretty fancy retail shop for a lot of years. She's the most beautiful garden on the planet. Oh, we can teach her design. That is like no problem, my friends. Amazing flower business owner. Like top of the pack my friends. Same thing goes when we're trying to fill in some of these, you know, what might be at the beginning, like odd jobs, particularly those of you actually looking to hire a casual staff member to do a very specific task like deliveries. This is one of those like amazing experiences where the delivery driver that we ended up hiring was actually the mother-in-law of one of our staff members. And I feel like five years on, she's still doing that job because it totally suits her, suits her life. She is like Santa Claus. She loves dogs and she gets to be like the face of this business out into the big bad world. And she's an incredible representation of the business. 
But on paper, I'm sure somebody would have looked at her and been like, oh, she can't deliver flowers. No, she's the best, most qualified person for the job. So, blunder number five. And this one is so helpful. Let go of any of the supposed to's and go out there and find people who align with your values. And blunder number six, and this was one of the best things that I learned, but you know how sometimes you put your hand up and say, hey guys, we're hiring, and then you get like all of these CVs and all of these resumes and these cover letters and these generic emails, and then it just feels like such a fucking slog to go through their emails? Oy. And it's like, how do I even tell the good people from the marginal people from the crap people? This is one of, um, I guess, one of my crowning moments in my business and I only recently realized what a genius idea it was because I was explaining it to a flower friend of mine. <laughs> but on your website, go in there and set up a custom application form. It might be a custom form, it might be a Google form, but actually set up an always on application form so that people who come across your website, people who started following you on Instagram, people who have heard of you or found out about you, could actually go in and if they know anybody or if they have any interest in working with you, they could actually just apply to work with you. Instead of you waiting until it gets desperate and then you're going to get inundated with CVs and you're going to get inundated with resumes and you're like, oh my God, I don't even know where to begin and it all begins too hard. So you're like, well, I might as well just keep doing all the work myself. Instead of waiting for those busy periods, shift your approach. Set up a contact form, set up an application process on your website so that 52 weeks of the year you can be compiling resumes. Then you can sift through them as and when you receive them because they'll just kind of dribble in. You can mark the good ones. You can touch base with them, kind of maybe have a quick 10, 15 minute phone chat, Zoom chat, whatever. Say you're going to keep them on file. Here's what's happening. We might need you for this, this or this. Then you can reach out and hire them when you need them. Shifting towards this always-on application process made things so much simpler. And it was something that I picked up because I started looking at how like McDonald's and Domino's Pizza and all those kind of like multinational brands do it. And I was like, those guys are constantly churning through staff. Like how do they start to get people to come in and apply instead of it being such a reactive panic, I just need a warm body experience. And there's so much that we can learn when we look outside of this industry. And creating an always-on application form on your website solves so many problems. It is one of my favorite tactics to use to make hiring freelancers, to make hiring casual staff, permanent staff, whoever you're looking for, it makes it so much simpler. Because the way I teach you guys to actually set up that application form also pushes the responsibility onto the person applying to sell themselves on why they want to work with you. So that by the time that they actually apply and you see the answers to their questions, it's so easy to tell the duds from the dream staff members. It is so much simpler than I used to think it had to be. But I want to make sure that you know you don't need to make any of these six hiring blunders because I've made all these mistakes so that you don't have to make these mistakes. So lesson number one, get your pricing sorted and get your pricing sorted today. Lesson number two, stop telling yourself that you need to do it all on your own. It doesn't need to be a badge of honor. Going to bed early can be a badge of honor. 
my friends. Number three, feeling like you are always stuck in the business, make sure you are making time to show up as a flower boss. Make sure you are making time to show up as a CEO. Number four, document your expectations. And you cannot go into too much detail because it's going to benefit anybody around you to understand what's in your head. Lesson number five, you don't have to follow the industry's traditional narrative about hiring. You don't have to find somebody with X number of years of experience. You don't need to find somebody who's formally trained. You get to decide what the fit is that you want to have when you're growing your team. And number six, I highly recommend that you put the responsibility back onto the person applying to sell themselves on you and set up an always-on application form on your website. And for those of you who are inside of the private community and inside of the boot camp, I will have all of that material in our hiring and freelancing masterclass, including that exact application form so that you can get to work putting that on your website. I hope that these six lessons help you and teach you what not to do when you're going about hiring a team. I had to spend so much energy figuring out so much of this on my own, and I just really want to make sure that you don't repeat the same mistakes that I made. For those of you who are inside of the program, remember that we're hosting a live 90-minute hiring masterclass. Bring all of your questions, and we will jump on and answer everything in person. We're also adding in that full list of resources inside the study vault. So if you're inside the program, all you need to do is jump into the events tab, RSVP to the hiring masterclass, and then keep an eye out for all of that additional templates and resources within the study vault. And if you're not inside of the program and you want in on all of this goodness, all you got to do is visit flowerbossbootcamp.com. And then when you sign up, you will be emailed directions on exactly where to find the private community. And then you can jump into the events tab, RSVP, and you can jump into the study vault and get into the hiring goodness. After you sign up to the Flower Boss Bootcamp, you will get emailed the program curriculum. So you'll be able to work through the 12 bootcamp modules. You can jump in, start with module one, do homework one, submit it to me for feedback and input. You also, when you sign up to the Flower Boss Bootcamp, you'll get immediate access to our private community. It's like the most special online learning place. One of the beautiful humans inside of the Flower Boss Bootcamp described it to me the other day by saying, it's like the Google for florists. <laughs> like, yes, it's such a good example of like, correct. I want to make sure you guys have answers to every question you could possibly ask and that you have access to all of the templates and tools that we used in our business and many of which we still use in our business. So in that hiring and freelancing masterclass, we are going to be putting in our Example job descriptions for our floral designers, for our retail shop manager. We're going to be putting in job descriptions for our wedding and events coordinator. And we are going to be outlining our exact application process, all the freelancing questions that you guys have, that replay of the freelancing live Q&A, the replay of the hiring masterclass. So good. Hot tip for you guys who are jumping into the study vault. It might say premium on any one of those courses, it's not premium. We can't get rid of that, but there's zero charge to sign up. They're all actually included in your six month program tuition. So don't be alarmed, just hit the button, you'll sign up, 
no incremental cost to get access to any of that study vault material. My friends, go into the private community, hit the events tab, RSVP to the live training, and I will see you inside the program. And if you want to get in on this goodness, all you need to do is visit flowerbossbootcamp.com, grab your credit card, sign up today, and you'll get immediate access to this whole umbrella of love situation. My friends, go out there, make sure you're not repeating my six hiring blunders, drive safe, have an amazing day, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now.